Hello, everyone, and welcome to the program that gets you up to date and in touch with what is going on with your Houston Texans. We are right across the hall from the locker room here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio, and it's always fun to visit with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle on a Thursday evening. General, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Mark. I have Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all the listeners. I have people ask me almost everywhere I'm going how much fun it is to cover the Texans when yep. they're winning, and I tell them, it's a blast. So much different, so much more fun than when they were 0-3 and everything was negative. And, and I think Bill O'Brien's the strongest traits he has as a coach is he's able to keep his guy focused, no matter if it's a hurricane, if it's the owner being ill, and then, of course, dying, and we'll all be celebrating Bob McNair's service on Friday. If uh, it's injuries, they play hard, they stay focused, and re- that's one reason they rebounded from no three start. And they also bring in the kind of guys that can do that. You right. know, some players can't stay focused. You know, you see teams around the league when they're losing, you'll see controversial quotes. I thought it's funny. One of the Philadelphia players said, "We all know the Cowboys choke. We're going to go down there and make them choke." And I'm thinking, does he know how many Super Bowls the Cowboys have? Could you see somebody saying that here? Mm. Oh, my goodness. We ask guys questions all the time, and they have been well-schooled by Bill O'Brien and the media relations staff. They do not say anything controversial. If the Texans beat the Colts and the Jets for 11 consecutive wins, I'm going to write and compare covering two 11-game winning streaks, the Oilers in 1993 and then this year. And now. The only similarities was winning. Right. The two teams were totally different, and uh, I'd like to be able to write that that story because I know it'd be very interesting. But it's more fun for everybody over here. Yeah, rough starts and winning for those two teams you just mentioned, and I want the Texans ending to be a whole lot better than the Oilers ending when they yeah they got that they got the home field advantage. I mean, they got a, divi- a divisional round game at the Astrodome, which is the largest crowd they ever had, and it was against Kansas City, and uh, they had uh, the week to rest, and Joe Montana's last miracle was right there next door, a pass to Willie Davis to beat him, brought him from behind in the fourth quarter. This team has a a defense like that one, and uh, they have, they had Warren Moon, Right, Texans have Sean Watson, they're similar in their makeups of their roster, but their personalities are totally different. Yeah, controversy, not exactly running amok on this team. Oh, yeah. Like it did for that one. Houston 93 is the NFL Network special they ran on that. Uh, Could have been three or four hours with all the stories. Yeah, I thought it was really well done, and it was a lot of fun to watch. And and I, I encourage my young employees to watch it here at the Houston Texans, John, because that was before some of them were born, and they need to know the history of this city. That was the most tumultuous season I have ever seen, and I tell friends of mine around the NFL, I covered the most tumultuous season in history, and they'll start to argue, and I say, okay, look, what you got? Mm. I say, do you have a player committing suicide during the season? Uh. I say, do you have baby gate? That was a story that transcended football. Sure. In which all the national talk shows were competing to get uh, David Williams, a left tackle, and his wife to come on. Do you have 
Buddy Ryan trying to punch Kevin Gilbride? Not have, exactly. Do you have a team, Warren Moon, getting benched for the only time in his career? And then they win 11 games in a row with a defense that knocked out nine starting quarterbacks, and everybody's like, well, yeah, you're right. Baby Gates. doesn't measure up. Babygate is such ripe, not only sports talk, but just talk radio topic matter. Oh, it was fun being on talk. I was doing talk shows then, and you can imagine it was just one controversy, nationally generated uh, controversy, not just mm-hmm. locally, but sure. national. I remember networks were in here. HBO was in here doing a thing for Inside the NFL, a special on the Oilers. It was it was fun because they were winning but you never knew what it was going to be. And these guys were all business. The NFL is more about all business today. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and what the Texans have accomplished is just mind-boggling to me, considering where they were, winning close games, winning decisive games. And now I think they got their toughest test for the rest of the season, meaning the Colts, a desperate Colts team that just blew that 6-0 game at Jacksonville, knowing – one more defeat, they can think about the draft because right now they're in, I think, a four-way tie for uh, teams trying to get the second wild card from the Ravens, mm-hmm. who are 7-5 and five, but only a half game behind Pittsburgh for the division lead in the AFC North. So this is a game the Colts and Andrew Luck have to win. And as you know, Mark, it's going to be hard to beat Andrew Luck two times. All right, we have a lot to cover. I wanted to backtrack a little bit. You said about the business-like nature of this team, which is true, yet these guys are having so much fun. Oh, they you, are having you fun. You can see, and you've been around a lot of teams, John. I, my feeling on this is I'm really trying to not take the cheese in that I want to enjoy every moment because I don't want this to be over. Even, you know, no matter when it ends, it's going to end at some point. And this is a great group to have together. It's a great group to cover. We enjoy the day-to-day with this group. Uh, How do you rate the chemistry, the cohesiveness, the camaraderie of this squad? The more I'm in the dressing room and talk to the players, um, it it goes back to Bob McNair. Mm. Bob always had a policy. He did not want bad apples in his bushel, so to speak. And that didn't mean guys couldn't get busted for smoking pot in college. What he didn't want was a pattern of bad behavior. And he would say that if everything's going well, everybody's happy. But if things go bad, those kind of players are the first ones to point fingers and become cancer in the locker room, and they didn't want them. And uh, they've weeded out a few through the years, but Rick Smith and now Brian Gain, they know, and it's not going to change under Cal. They know what kind of players that Bob McNair wanted to win with. And at a time like this, you see those guys, especially the ones who suffered through the bad, uh, like the 2-14 and 14 season, and they're so happy, so excited. I like to watch the interactions, how they kid around. When I say business-like, that means to me to be determined, motivated, focused, mm-hmm. not not uh, saying anything controversial, mm-hmm. and they are, but they have fun. And, and, and I like watching a young guy like Justin Reed. You know, he's getting spoiled. You know, he came from Stanford. Now he's won nine in a row. And then there's guys in here who know <laughs> what it's like to lose, I mean, 14 in a row. Yep. And uh, so, yes, it's fun to watch them. It's also fun to watch them on Sundays because, you know, they're kind of playing throwback football. 
Everybody talking about new age offense. There's only a couple teams play that. Rams and Chiefs. Texans, a lot of teams are getting a lot of mileage out of good running backs. Lamar Miller having a career year. And their throwback football is one of the reasons they're winning. It's funny. For me personally, it's the longest winning streak I've been around, longest team winning streak I've been around since I was with the Miami Hurricanes in the early O's uh, because obviously this team had never won more than seven in a row before this. Now it's nine in a row and counting, and you hope that uh, everything continues for this squad. It's funny you bring up Miami. I had, I think it was on – I can't remember which show it was on. Uh, no, it was Mad Radio, which they talking about this team and the 72 Dolphins. Because the 72 Dolphins didn't beat a team with a winning record until they got in the playoffs. And this team has. And I go back to the strength of schedule, which I mentioned last week. Yep. Which in the AFC, their strength of victory. I'm sorry. Not strength of schedule. Strength of victory is better. Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. Indianapolis. Uh, um, um, so it's only not better than New England of all the division leaders. Mm-hmm. So the teams they beat are better than people say, and and uh, I think this test against Indy and the test at Philadelphia will be really good. And I don't think really you should think about a team's overall record because teams have changed since early in the season. Like this one. What if, oh yes, what have all the t- teams done, say, over the last eight games? Mm-hmm. Have they gotten really good? Does a team with a losing record or a 500 record, like, say, Denver, uh, um is that team better now than it was early? Well, yeah, it's just won three games, and the Texans handed them their last loss. So, to me, that's a much better measuring stick, and the Colts are really good based on that theory because they started one and four. Dallas. And Dallas is another one. And uh, the Texans beat Indy, and they beat Dallas, and now – Miami they, still has a little bit of a Miami's pulse. sick. That's another one. And, and you know what? They host the Patriots, and they've – they're four and one in their last five games in Miami against Brady, yep. and Brady has a losing record in Miami. Wow, that is amazing. You'd think he loved the sunshine down there, mm-hmm. but something about all that sunshine and maybe heat and humidity doesn't sit well with them. So, of course, the Texans need them to win. I still believe, Mark, when all is said and done, the Patriots have home have the tiebreaker over the Texans and Chiefs. I still think. The road to the Super Bowl is going to go through Gillette Stadium. Because the Chiefs still have the Chargers. Tougher schedule. Yeah, tougher schedule on the At way out Seattle, of the Seattle, Baltimore, Chargers. The only yeah. easy was the last one against Oakland. And New England has to play at Pittsburgh. But what are the odds that the Patriots would lose two and the Texans wouldn't lose any? And that, you know, Texans got to play for the division. They're going to win that, got a three-game mm-hmm. lead. But they're trying to get a first-round bye. And then – if they win out and you let those playoff chips fall where they may, you never know where they're going to finish. But uh, it's going to be hard to be two games better than the Patriots. It's going to be hard to get the overall, I agree. Although it's still going to be hard to get the first round by. Yes, it is. But I'll tell you this. I At some point, and I hope I'm still alive to see it, the Texans are going to win in Foxborough. And if you go back to the playoff game, one score game in the fourth quarter, and Osweiler threw two interceptions. Three-point loss last year. Seven-point loss this year. They, they're they not intimidated to play, I don't think, at Gillette Stadium. When they've lost now, it, they've lost legitimately. It's not like that playoff game where Casey drops a touchdown pass, turnover early. Mm. This team is not intimidated to play there. And if it goes again and loses, just as it has it recently, it's because they've been beaten. 
and not because they've given it away. Right. I think they would be so fired up to be able to go up there. If you're going up there, you're right. You're probably going up there for the AFC Championship game. Boy, are we eating the cheese right now. John, you've written about Coach of the Year. <laughs> I want to see players eating cheese. I'd almost go buy it and put it in their lockers <laughs> if they'd go along with it. I asked Bill on Wednesday, what would you do now that you're talking about taking the cheese, which he says he never wished he, wished he never said. If you went in the locker room and saw players eating cheese, he said, well, I think that'd be one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And knowing I like they like to prank me, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't do it. Well, the cheese thing, I don't know if it's taking off or not, but you know there are many things this season that could have taken off. Like, the slime season is sort of taking off. The on-the-bus thing, because Watson took the bus to Jacksonville, that's kind of over. I thought that might be like a sort of slogan that they carry, but they're not into that. It's You have to let the players sort of come up with it on their own and the fans as well. John, what about Coach of the Year? You've written about this. I think it's a little early, but it, look, with four games to go, you can take your poll right now as to who it might be. I think there are a lot of good candidates out there. Maybe Bill O'Brien should be one of them. Well, of course he should, and I wrote a column this week that that uh, because a week ago I had seen Mike Florio and Peter King have a list of eight, and Bill wasn't on there, which I just oh, that's thought wrong. was preposterous. That's wrong. Then I saw Sports Illustrated had him in the top tier of three. And so the Texans have improved by five games. Mm-hmm. Nobody else has come close to that. They've had the 03 start, overcame that, and I listed things. You know, you lose Chantrell Henderson. You have to make changes up front. You lose your second-best receiver, your best deep threat. You lose five corners in the first seven games, and you have to play all safeties in one game. Things like that. And then Matt Nagy from uh, Chicago is my second choice. And then my others, I think Pete Carroll's doing the best job he's ever done, even when he won a Super Bowl because nobody expected anything from the Seahawks, and they're going to win a wild card. And uh, uh, Anthony Lynn, even though the Chargers were 9-7 and last season and were hot at the end of the year, they've really been good over these first 12 games and the end of last season. But the reason is because he doesn't have home field advantage. So I think he's done a tremendous job. And then my number five, which a lot of people have number one, is Andy Reid. Well, Andy was in the playoffs last year, and yes, he's changed his offense. It didn't take a genius to play Patrick Mahomes because they traded up to get him. And I think Andy's done a really good job, but nobody compares to the job that Bill O'Brien has done. I mean, just don't. Back to the Chargers for a moment, and Anthony Lynn doing a great job. They beat Pittsburgh Sunday night in Pittsburgh. That's the kind of game they might lose in previous years. You know, I think they've kind of sort of changed their identity. Did I just say kind of sort well, of? Well, does that mean that that's the kind of game they would have lost or the kind of game the Steelers would have won? The Steelers Maybe. blew a 16-point lead at home for the first time in franchise history. And Pittsburgh has lost three games at home. That Weird. is shocking. And the Chargers don't have a home advantage. When they play at home, There's all, they don't ever sell it out. And there seems to be, because I look at the pictures that the media sends out every week, more opposing jerseys mm-hmm. than than any than there are the Chargers jerseys. And, like, they lost at home to Denver. Texans won in Denver. Now, of course, they've got Phillip Rivers. That's You don't want to play him if you can avoid him. But they're going to – they could win that division. They have a game with the Chiefs, and then, as we mentioned earlier, the Chiefs have to play Baltimore and Chargers at home. They have to go to Seattle before they finish in Oakland. And uh, 
I'm still waiting to see if the Chiefs are going to miss Kareem Hunt because they ran for 180 yards in the first game without him. Well, uh, that game I was thoroughly rooting for the Chargers because well, should like I, I told J.J. Watt, you know, he wanted to tie. No, you don't. No. You want Pittsburgh to lose that game. No, because and you don't want to have to face the Chargers Wild Card Weekend if you happen to be in Wild Card Weekend. You'd rather face the Ravens or whoever that sixth team is. You don't. You want to be that third team or the second or first team. You don't want to be the fourth division winner and have to deal with San Diego or the loser of the AFC West. Like you said, if the Chargers win the West, then it's the Chiefs as that top wildcard team. Nope. Don't want to see them either. So that'd be good. I'd like to see them at Arrowhead in the AFC Championship game if you can arrange that, but that's really taking the Chiefs Would you right rather now. see them in Arrowhead or Gillette? Oh, the Texans? I yeah. would rather see you – know, I'd rather go to Arrowhead. Give me Andy Reid and Arrowhead and, and Give me that an easier pressure. trip, shorter trip, and an easier yeah, stadium I, to get I, to. New England, no. Are you No. In an AFC championship game – now, I'd love to – if you could tell me I'm going to win one of those, I'd rather win in New England <laughs> because I want to see the look on their faces and the look on my face, too, when the Texans – win that game but uh we're dreaming a little bit right now and i'd love to see that dream come true remember early in the season when i told you you had to pull for jacksonville against new england and you said you just couldn't pull for jacksonville yeah and then jacksonville won aren't you glad now jacksonville yeah won? but that was i mean they were two and zero at the time and i was thinking my gosh they're going places but uh they resurrected themselves last week, not really, but just for one game. Yes, they did. A 6 one nothing game, win yeah. over the Colts, and I just can't believe it still that they were able to get that done. And we're talking about Coach of the Year candidates. You might be able to throw Frank Reich in there until last week because how do you not have your team ready for that one to win at Jacksonville when you absolutely cannot lose it to set up the divisional showdown this week? But now the division is gone for the Colts, even with a win this week in all likelihood. Uh, they would have – I'm not saying they would have gotten it, of course, but if they had beaten Jacksonville, then the Texans, they're a game out, and some good things might have been able to happen for them in the final three games. Frank Reich, in that game at Jacksonville, went for it on fourth down three times and failed all three times, once when he took three points off the board. Is he too aggressive? And it wasn't that so much. It was the play calls. Mm. They had an in, an an end around to tight end Eric Ebron. Snuffed he out. was stuffed. They had a shovel pass on two yard line, stuffed. We've seen that before. Yeah, and that's not a good call. Instead of letting Andrew Luck make the play, let him roll out, throw whatever, mm-hmm. and it was just dumb. And so it was the play calls, and Reich makes the calls, and it like go back. He could have had a tie a week ago. He'd have been in the last playoff spot with that tie instead of a loss. And so he's made a lot of controversial decisions that have backfired. Yeah, he has. I, I support him, especially since he didn't make it, with the fourth and four call in the first meeting between these two teams. What are you really expecting here on Sunday, John? Because we did see the Colts get blanked by the Jags, and you just can't read too much into that, but it did happen. So what do you think? On Sunday, what kind of Andrew Luck performance are we going to get? If you go back to the other Jacksonville game, which was like three weeks ago, they had to win in the end by three. And then the game two weeks ago, I can't remember who they played. I think they had to win in the end. Luck Dolphins. Got, Dolphins. Luck got the ball and brought them from behind in the, the Dolphins fourth were terrible execution-wise. Oh uh, so they've had Wait. to win close games, as they did when they beat the Texans. Now, I do not expect a shootout between Watson and Luck like we saw in the fourth game because that's not what the Texans are doing now. In the Since the Buffalo game, when Watson got beat up so bad with his injuries he suffered against Dallas, 
the Texans are averaging 34 carries and 172 yards. Wow. And it's been working. So they're not all of a sudden going to get away from pounding the ball. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the and the good thing about running the ball like that is it keeps Andrew over on the bench. And you yep. want Andrew Luck chained to the bench if you can get him there. And so that's the idea. And then you better, you know, what was the 28 to 10? Is that what he came back from in yep. Lucas Oil Stadium? So you better get that lead and you better hold the ball. What about Deontay Foreman getting activated? What's your reaction? Well, my opinion, because they went up almost day short of the deadline, I think, and I believe this, and, and Trell Jamerson, I'm, I don't know if they're you – know, he, he helped him. He, he made a couple of plays in a mm-hmm. game and helped him win. I felt bad for him. But I think Foreman will be inactive. I think he's an insurance policy because, number one, counting Buddy Howell, who's a good special teams player, you're not going to keep four backs active on game day, especially when two of them don't play special teams. Mm -hmm. And Alfred Blue does. So I think it was very smart to put him on the roster because the way they're running the ball, at some point, if Miller or Blue get hurt, then they got a fresh Deontay Foreman right there, but I would not mess with the success that they've had these last six games with Miller and Blue, and the offensive line has improved dramatically in run blocking. Yeah, it's a good point you make, and a lot of the fans don't understand that they had to make a decision on him this week. Otherwise, it's IR. So this is your best shot, obviously. You had to put him on the 53 if you're going to play him at some point this year. Yeah, it's so funny to me. You'd think he was Jim Brown. The longer he's been out, people are acting <laughs> yeah. like he's going to step in there and start rushing for 200 yards. And I, and and you'd like to see the Texans at some with a game left secure whatever they want to secure yeah. know what the fate is and give him some carries mm-hmm. rest miller and get him out there and give him 5 to 10 carries and see how he reacts cuz you always won't wonder you worry uh, like Kayvon Webster the corner who right. had a, he came back from Achilles he played he got hurt he's out you have to worry about injuries to guys that have been out a long time not being in football shape the only way you get in football shape is you play the game and you get hit and you hit people you can't do it in practice especially so this time of year they got to worry about that they got to worry about you know is it fumbling going to be an issue and is he going to catch as well as he did when he had a few chances last year and the way to do that is uh be in a position where you can activate him and give him quite a few carries John, the Texans fans are Jaguar fans tonight. The Jaguars taking on the Titans in Nashville. How do you see this one shaking out? Do you know if the Titans win, they will have swept the Jaguars two seasons in a row. Wow. They beat them twice last year when Jacksonville was 10-6 and six and won the division. The way Jacksonville played last year is kind of like the Texans in 11. They lost their last three regular season games when they were just cruising and kicking some serious butt. And so I believe Tennessee will win. But if Jacksonville can beat Indy at home, they might be able to muster up that same kind of defense. Cody Kessler didn't do anything except not turn the ball over. And he threw for 150 yards. And I don't think he can go into Nashville and have that kind of performance, no matter how good the defense is, and beat the Titans. And the Titans are desperate, too. They're just like the Colts Sunday. They know they have to win to stay in that wild card race. It's a last house on the left game for them, for sure. All right, Ravens at the Chiefs this weekend. And Baltimore is the number one scoring defense 
in the NFL. The Chiefs don't have much defense, but they got a whole lot of offense. I, you know, Kareem Hunt. I think people are making too big a deal about Kareem Hunt being out. It's a big loss for them. But it's not like they're lacking in firepower still. they got a lot of weapons, John. What do you think of this one? It's not like they're a dominant running team like the Texans are mm-hmm. and because that would then it would be catastrophic. But they throw the ball so well. And it's hard to believe Patrick Mahomes has got a good chance to break Peyton Manning's record for touchdown passes. And But Baltimore's defense has played well. Lamar Jackson's 3-0 in a starter. He had to come out last week replaced by RG3, and then he went back in. But he's all about running. He's not a passer. He's inaccurate. And so nobody's been able to contain him yet, and maybe the Chiefs won't either. But, uh, boy, the Texans need for the Ravens to win this game. That would be awesome. Win against the Colts and have the Ravens win at Arrowhead, and we'll see what happens from there. All right, other things I want to look at here. The Cowboys are hosting the Eagles, and the Eagles just beat Washington with Mark Sanchez having to fill in for the injured Colt McCoy. What do you think here as these two teams square off? Cowboys are second points allowed. Texans are third. Yep. And as you mentioned, the Ravens are first. At this time of year, and the weather's not been real bad yet, mm-hmm. defense and running games are what you win with a lot of the times. Texans have it. Cowboys have it. They're getting the ball to Ezekiel Elliott in both halves. After when they lost, they were giving it to him, touching it five or six times and a half. And finally, Scott Linehan, the uh, offensive coordinator, and Jason Garrett figured out, we got to get the ball to him in both halves. And they have. Their defense has been great. And so I think the Cowboys will win and sweep the Eagles. So that basically gives them a two-game lead. Uh, give them a three-game lead because of the head-to-head. So you could just forget about the Eagles. And I think it would be interesting if when the Texans go to Philadelphia, the Eagles have nothing to play for. What do you think if you're Todd Bowles, and we'll be talking about the Jets at this point I'm looking for somebody who wants a great defensive coordinator. But Todd Bowles is there coaching the Jets, and the back cover of the tabloids in New York have Mike McCarthy or whoever else, and you know you're dead man walking in that job. He knows it, and I, he is a really good defensive coordinator, and that's what he's going to be. Maybe Todd Bowles will get another chance as a head coach because so many head coaches are better when they get a second chance, Bill mm-hmm. Belichick, Pete Carroll being two of them. And um, Bowles started off 10-6. and six. Him and McCagnan, boy, what a combination. But yep. Ryan Fitzpatrick was the quarterback. But they haven't been able to come close to that. I think they have a six-game losing streak. But Darnold's been hurt. You know, they've had to play uh, Josh McCown, who's like 58. And, and Darnold, mm-hmm. I think, is going to come back. I think when the Texans play, they'll see Sam Darnold, which means they will have played Mayfield, Josh Allen, and Sam Darnold of the first-rounders. They would have missed Josh Rosen and Lamar Jackson. How about that? You're going to see Darnold a week from Saturday. And remember, it's a Saturday game next week in Gotham. 3 o'clock. At the three, Meadowlands. 3.25, I believe. All right. I'll get you that confirmed time. Uh, the Texans hosting the Colts on Sunday. We've talked a lot about that, of course. But let me ask you about this league-wide, the kickoff, John. And the league asking for ideas from the fans. I mean, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. But are we going to see the end of the kickoff at some point in our near future? Now they're talking about messing with punts, too. Well, they they talked about 4th and 15, that after a touchdown, it's 4th and 15, so you punt or you can just go for I hate that idea, by the way. I don't think that if, you, if you're trying to come back into a game or if I'm leading a game and a team scores a touchdown on me, 
Now you're going to give them the, their offense the ball in a fourth and 15 situation? No, thank you. That's just terrible to me. I, it's great if you're the team that's coming from behind, but I don't think it's enough of an advantage when you've done all the work you need to do to build a lead. It's taken away a lot of the excitement. Would a guy like Devin Hester have as many touchdowns under the current rule? Probably not. And no way. it's But it's cut back on injuries, and that's what they're trying to do. And uh, maybe they need to drop kick the ball again or something. But everything's up. All the ratings are up. Everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mess with anything from the way it is now. I know you'd like to change the overtime rule back. Yes, to the I way would. It was but right now things are going well. I would not tinker with success. Are you surprised? Unless, excuse me. I think it is just essential that they have a guy because of all these calls that are missed, is mm-hmm. watching on TV, and when you have a blatant false start and you wonder how could the officials miss it when everybody could see it, you push a button, you tell the ref, left tackle, false start, throw the flag, and he throws it. I don't like that. I don't like the eye in the sky. I, I'll, I'll go with you on this Don't path. you want to correct I, I do, but wrongs? I want the coach to be able to challenge that. Oh, a I, non-call or a call. Oh, let the coach I throw agree. A flag That's for that. I don't care, and I like Bill agree with Belichick. Let the coaches challenge anything. I just don't want it, the Wizard of Oz to press a button and then change. Tell me. It does not change the length of the game. Coaches have the same challenges, mm-hmm. but they can challenge everything. Cleveland lost a game because another egregious false start they didn't get, and Rivers threw a touchdown pass and they beat them. How about that, John? What do you have going on in the Chronicle? Um. Aaron Wilson had a story on Friday on Andrew Luck. I had one on how the Texans' defense has shut down every running back they've played. Nobody's gained even 90 yards, much less 100. And then Aaron's got a story for Sunday looking back at that Indianapolis game and how it kick-started the nine-game winning streak. Thank you, John. Thank you, Mark. In the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, I'm Mark Vandermeer, joined by my good friend, Patty Smith. How's it going, Patty? It is going great, Mark. Thank you for having me. From the Harris County Houston Sports Authority. There we are. There that's, we are. That's where you are. That just rolls off your tongue now, doesn't it? It does. Brap! It rolls right off the tongue. You know, you've, um, you've done some great things, really. I mean, the Houston Sports Awards last year, the Hall of Fame, and this week, and I'm a little jelly because other people got the exclusive early announcement, but I get to talk to you about it in greater depth here. The Hall of Fame inductees that are going in, and it's all related to anniversary from 2019. You go back 40 years, 50 years. Explain all that to me. Yes, well, we announced about a month ago uh, the theme for this year's Sports Awards show, Mm -hmm. which is basically celebrating a lifetime of sports in Houston one decade at a time. Um, We are celebrating anniversaries from 10 years, and I think I told you this last month when we spoke. You know, it is the 10-year anniversary of Brian Cushing's Rookie of the Year, the 10-year anniversary of uh, Andre Johnson's best year. Yep. So from 10, you go to 20 years, to 30, to 40, to 50, to 60, to 70, we have found an anniversary for each of those events. This kind of, um, you know, and for our Hall of Famers that we just announced this week, it's the 40th anniversary of the Love You Blue Oil or era from 78 to 79. Oh my gosh, 40 years. 40 years. So um, Wouldn't it be great to have the Texans fresh off an appearance in the AFC Championship game and Super Bowl 40 years after that? Yeah, 
Four days after that happens, we uh, we we do this and celebrate all of that. So that's the plan for sure. But uh, so Dan Pastorini is our um, Hall of Fame inductee number one, coming from that forty-year mm. anniversary. If you go to fifty years, it's the fiftieth anniversary of George Foreman winning gold, Olympic Ooh. gold. Yeah, how about that? You know, a lot of people forget about that. That George was a great Olympian and then joined the pro ranks. And we all remember Rumble in the Jungle and everything. And the grill, of course. And the, the millennials, it's the grill. But, you know, interesting. How many grill jokes? What's the over-under on grill jokes that night? Uh, four. Four. I'll go with four. Okay. But, you know, we went to each of these guys, and I'll tell you the next two in a minute, but we went to each of these guys' house and or place of business mm-hmm. and kind of took a little, you know, we took a party bus and the, the camera crew and our selection right. committee John McClain, our, our chairman, and Bill Worrell, and and notified them that they were selected to be inductees, yeah, and surprised them with it, and so the reactions were were were, were pretty cool. Dan got pretty emotional, um, mm-hmm. being you know representing all those guys. I mean, you've got guys like. You know, Elvin Bethay, Robert Brazil, who just went into the Hall of Fame, Curly Culp, mm-hmm. uh, Earl Campbell, who, of course, is already in our Hall of right. Fame from last year. But those guys are Hall of Famers, and Dan's not. Dan never will be. But what he meant to Houston, as John McClain has said a million times, if Earl Campbell was the heart of the Houston Oilers, Dan Pastorini was the soul. So for him to be selected and go into this Hall of Fame meant the world to him. But my whole point to all that was George Foreman, growing up here in Houston in the Fifth Ward, the comment he said, we walked up and handed him you know, his little certificate and, and, and did the little dog and pony show. And he says, you know, I grew up here in the Fifth Ward and never thought I was going to amount to anything. He really didn't. Wow. And he said, so for him to be inducted into the Houston Sports Hall of Fame means more to him than any other honor he's ever received. Oh, my God. And uh, the irony of it, when I asked him his greatest moment, he pointed to 50 years ago winning Olympic gold. So really? kind of all came full circle. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And that was that was pretty fresh off his childhood right there, winning Olympic gold. So well, that's tremendous. All right, let's go deeper then. What's the next uh, one? 60 years. You go back 60 years and mm-hmm. A.J. Foyt, um, yeah. Super Tex, uh, made his Indianapolis 500 debut. And, of course, he went on to win four, the first ever to do that. And he's won 24 Hours of Le Mans, Daytona, the only one to win mm-hmm. all those races. I mean, a storied career, the greatest arguably race car driver of all time, uh, born and raised here in Houston. Um, so, yeah, he's our 60th uh, anniversary. I remember when I moved here in 2002 and I found out that A.J. Foyt was from here, I was surprised. I didn't know where he was from. I didn't know the whole history of that side of it. But everybody knows A.J. Foyt. You know? So that's great. I'm glad he's going in. He was in that Jim Nance 38 Legends, Super Bowl 38, beginning that week. Back in 2003, 2004, so I'm glad to hear that. All right, who's next? And then you go back 70 years, and you go back to Jackie Burke Jr. Jackie, uh, of course, uh, you know, started Champions Golf Club, mm-hmm. Masters winner, uh, Ryder Cup, coach, you know, captain of many Ryder Cups, but he won his first professional tournament back in 1948, so that goes back 70 years. Oh, that is tremendous. He's 95 years old. He'll turn 96 in January, and uh, he will be there on stage in February. So Jackie Burke, A.J. Foyt, 
George Foreman, Dan Pastorini, those are the four inductees. Those are the four inductees. And you'll have all the other sports awards winners as well that night. Yeah, sports awards. absolutely. Um, in fact, nominations are closing on Friday of this week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, our selection committee is made up of members of the media. You know, nominees can come in online through fans as well. But, uh, yeah, so we have our, our normal ten categories. Athlete of the year, college athlete, event, moment, uh, lifetime achievement, which we did announce already with you that that will be George and Barbara Bush. Mm-hmm. We announced that before um, the passing of President Bush, uh, so we will remember them, honor them, and present them with our Lifetime Achievement Award as well. When does the year end? Is it a calendar year? I know you've talked about this before, but refresh our memory on that one. Yes, it's a calendar year, so mm-hmm. you know, it, and it gets a little tricky for like our high school and our college athlete of the year because you could have a senior in high school last year that maybe played a spring sport that is now in college, mm-hmm. right? But they are being judged on their merits for what they did in high school their senior year. So it's calendar year, January to December. Uh, so for the most part, we're looking at it. It makes it a little tricky for someone like the the Rockets, say, right. where they've got half their season was at the beginning last year and going you know, through the playoffs and everything. You almost have to look more last season uh, for the Rockets and, and things like that. What about but, Texans? Like playoffs? They don't count for 2019. Well, you guys are in a pretty good position, though, because – it's front and center as all the voting and everything is kind of going on. Everybody's thinking Texans right now and look what, you know, Bill O'Brien's doing coach of the year. And that's all you're hearing Mm -hmm. nationwide is Bill O'Brien coach of the year. So, um, you know, that, that could bode very well. Don't take the cheese, Patty. I'm not going to take the cheese. I'm not going to drink the Kool-Aid. I'm just going to do my job. I I don't, I don't pick them. I just, uh, (laughs) I just celebrate it. The one thing that we do have available for everyone, um, for sports awards is that golden ticket. Remember that last year? Yeah. all these opportunities to get season tickets to? Yeah, and I want to put it out there now uh, leading up to Christmas because it's a great Christmas gift. For $100, you have a 1 in 500 chance. Only 500 tickets are sold. And the one winner receives season tickets to everything. Season tickets to the, two tickets to the Astros, to the Rockets, to the Rodeo, to the Dynamo, to the Dash, um, to the Texas Bowl, and uh, two sweet tickets, actually, to two games for the Houston Texans. So one winner, one in 500 chance, $100, HoustonSportsAwards.com. They're not going to last, but uh, go ahead and uh, log on and get your tickets. Thanks so much for joining us, Patty. Thanks, Mark. There she is, Patty Smith of the Harris County Houston Sports Authority. And by the way, on the Vandermeer's View podcast, Patty tells the story, her most memorable career moment, her and George H.W. Bush at an Astros game, you just have to hear it. Go check it out on the podcast, Vandermeer's View on HoustonTexans.com or wherever fine podcasts are available. Before we get to Houston Methodist Minutes and learn what's wrong with your diet, calling all Houston area teachers, if you want to bring Texans football into your classroom, then sign up for Toro's Math Drills, presented by Phillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders how to tackle math in the classroom. Do they do pre-K or K or wherever level my kid is at right now my youngest vander kid too anyway go to houstontexans.com slash toros math drills to learn more about this now let's learn from houston methodist minutes and wellness dietitian Kristen kaiser Kristen, how's it going well thanks mark good to be here Kristen, what about breakfast let's start with the first meal of the day it's important to get a big breakfast most important meal of the day how important is it and what should i stay away from during breakfast as opposed to gravitate toward? Yeah, breakfast definitely is important, especially in the athlete world. Focusing breakfast on something that has some whole grains in it, some good carbohydrates, whether that's 
oatmeal we hear about, Cheerios, whole wheat bread, fruit is great at breakfast. It's a quickly digested carbohydrate. So if it's going to be a workout followed uh, shortly afterwards and having a banana, so those are some of our carbohydrate sources. And then breakfast too, wanting to have some protein. Um, you want to avoid drive-through breakfast. I think that's fairly obvious, but it can be tempting because we have such a fast lifestyle that, hey, I'm just going to swing through and pick up something quick. Um, but one of the issues there, besides it being high fat, high calorie, is those refined carbohydrates. We digest them quickly and then we're left feeling hungry again, maybe glucose issues if it's a white carbohydrate, refined bread, for example. Um, and so I would definitely recommend staying away from those sorts of refined carbohydrates at breakfast. Give me a quick idea of how I should balance protein versus carbs versus veggies versus whatever the rest of the day. Give me an idea of the balance here, Kristen. So remember, protein builds muscles, carbohydrate fuels muscles. And so often we'll use a plate method where if it's a heavy, heavy workout, an athlete who's in season, half their plate, lunch or dinner plate, can be carbohydrates a quarter of their plate being protein, and then a quarter of their plate being veggies. If you're out of season, it's weekend, you're not training, half the plate, fruits and vegetables, they're much higher on the fruits and veggies there, and then a quarter of the plate, still protein, and then a quarter of the plate, carbohydrates or starches. That sounds great. Very workable. Kristen, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. Certainly my pleasure. Wellness dietitian Kristen Kaiser on Houston Methodist Minutes. Houston Methodist Orthopedics and Sports Medicine provides expert care and advanced technology to help athletes at all levels return to peak performance. Visit HoustonMethodist.org slash game on for more information about their customized treatment plans. The official health care provider of the Houston Texans, Houston Methodist Leading Medicine. Well, that's going to do it for our program this evening. John Harris has Texans All Access tomorrow night. I'll be on the show as well, of course, as we look forward to game day. Kids Day presented by Texas Children's Hospital at NRG Stadium Sunday at noon with the Colts. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.